0: Hi there, this is the podcast you're looking for. Welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, a weekly podcast that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era, and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Cole, and how are you today? Hey, don't forget to check out the website, howgooditis.com, and the Twitter and the Instagram, and of course the Facebook page, which you can find over at facebook.com slash pod. Okay, I have found, I think, a trivia question that doesn't make me think I'm going easy on you. So, here's what I want you to do. Tell me what the following bands have in common. Ready? White Zombie, They Might Be Giants, Black Sabbath, Faster Pussycat, and the Mission UK. What do all of those bands have in common? Once again, White Zombie, They Might Be Giants, Black Sabbath, Faster Pussycat and The Mission UK. And as usual, I will have the answer later on in the show. So today we're talking about Gary U.S. Bonds. He was born Gary Lavone Anderson on June 6th, 1939, in Jacksonville, Florida. He began his public performance career in the late 1950s when he hooked up with a group called The Turks. Now, as far as I can tell, this is not the same group that had a single in 1956 called I'm a Fool. That band looks like they were based on the West Coast. Gary's group Worked out of uh, Norfolk, Virginia. From there, he was discovered by producer Frank Guida, who signed him to his own Legrand Records label. It was Guida who produced his first few hits, including this one, "New Orleans," which went to number six on the Billboard chart. Hey, hey, yeah. so come on, it was also Frank Guida who gave him the name U.S. Bonds. This was actually a little bit of a weak pun because see, Gary wrote several of his own songs so the writing credit would appear on the label as Buy U.S. Bonds which sounded like a public service announcement that was pretty common up through the 60s and early 70s that asked people to purchase government bonds. Buy U.S. Bonds. Get it? See, we thought my jokes were poor. Anyway, the problem was that having just U.S. Bonds in the artist portion of the label made disc jockeys think that U.S. Bonds was the name of a band, not an individual. So eventually he became Gary U.S. Bonds with the U.S. part in parentheses. Eventually, the parentheses were tossed out. But all of those changes came later on. For today's show, we're still looking at a guy whose stage name was still just U.S. Bonds. But in order to do that... We need to start with this. And this is called A Night With Daddy G, a record by The Church Street Five, which was released in 1960. The Church Street Five was composed of Gene Barge playing saxophone, nabs shields on the drums. Junior Fairley playing bass, Willie Burnell on the piano, and Leonard Barks on the trombone. It's largely an instrumental piece, you'll hear some voices doing things like oh yeahs and such, they're all pretty deep in the mix. Now the label on the 45 for this record lists the composers as Barge, Gaida, Royster, just like that, last names only. But when you look at the composer credit for Quarter to Three, you'll see the name Anderson added in, since that's but U.S. Bond's original last name, and since he adapted A Night with Daddy G to add lyrics, there you go. It's kind of what happened with the Buckinghams and Mercy, Mercy, Mercy. When that song was an instrumental, there was a single writing credit to Joseph Zawinol. When the Buckinghams got a hold of it, lyrics were added, and the songwriting writing credit was amended. But wait a minute, you say, wasn't one of the writers of the original Night with Daddy G named Gaida? You've got a good ear. Yes, indeed, one of the writers was Frank Gaida, his producer. And while I'm at it, Joe Royster, who's also credited, was Gaida's songwriting partner, and he was also the engineer. all of which boils down to another similarity between the two records. Compared to other records that were released around that time, the overall sound quality is is pretty rough. You've got the party-like sounds, lots of echoey noise, and maybe even some stuff going in and out of phase. So while some ordinarily reliable sources have suggested that that fuzzy distorted audio, Was a result of an accidental recording. That is, the band was just jamming or something, and the tape just happened to be rolling without anyone knowing about it. Nope, that's not the case. The fact is, the record sounds exactly the way Guido wanted it to sound. And the fact that a night with Daddy G has pretty much the same sound. Well, that underlines it a lot. As a further illustration of this, let me point you to this track. This, of course, is If You Want to Be Happy by Jimmy Solon. It has a very similar sound. And the reason for that is same band, same engineer, same producer, Frank Guida, putting the whole thing together. Oh, and once again, it was written by Frank and Carmela Guida, along with Joseph Royster. So pretty much the same writing team, too. Quarter to Three was released in uh, May of 1961, and it spent two weeks in the number one slot beginning on June 26th. Over in the UK, it made it to number seven on September 2nd that year. Fellow rock and roller Dion DiMucci has said that Quarter to Three helped inspire him and Ernie Moresca to write Run Around Sue. And now that I think about it, I can hear the influence there. On the other hand, as we know, there's a darker side to being inspired. The following year, Bonds sued Chubby Checker, claiming that Checker stole Quarter to Three for his song called Dancing Party. Now, the case was settled out of court, but give Dance and Party a quick listen, and I think you'll know which way that case broke. Listen especially to that saxophone. One of the biggest fans of the song and of Gary U.S. Bonds is Bruce Springsteen, who plays Quarter to Three quite often in his live shows. In fact, he used it as a closer for his uh, Born to Run tour. And in fact, Springsteen is such a fan of Gary U.S. Bonds that he wrote Bonds' last hit, 1981's This Little Girl, which also has the backing of the E Street Band on it. And in my head, like, I'm listening to this record, and I'm like, you know what? Of course this is the E Street Band playing on it. But sometimes, unless you make that, you know, you read something, you don't quite make that connection. But sure enough, yes, E Street Band playing on this record. All right, now it is time to answer today's trivia question. Back on page two, I asked what these bands have in common. They would be White Zombie, They Might Be Giants, Black Sabbath, Faster Pussycat, And the Mission UK? The answer is they all got their names from movie titles. White Zombie was a B horror movie from 1932 starring Bella Lugosi that the band founder Rob Zombie really liked. They Might Be Giants got their name from a 1971 film that had Sherlock Holmes in a modern-day New York City. Yeah, it's that good. Black Sabbath's original name was Earth until they stopped in to see a Boris Karloff movie with the title, guess what, Black Sabbath, near their rehearsal space. The 1963 film influenced not only the name change, but the overall theme of the band. Faster Pussycat is a truncated version of the Russ Meyer uh, exploitation film from 1965, featuring go-go dancers driving at high speeds across the California desert, as they do. The film's full title is Faster Pussycat, Kill, Kill. For those of you counting, that's four words with three exclamation points. And finally, the Mission UK, the band you're listening to now, was a post-punk band from England whose members were huge fans of Robert De Niro. So when the Sisterhood did a little lineup shuffle, they took their new name from a film of his that had just been released. It turned out that an American band had already taken on that name, so they added on the UK part. that's a full lid on another edition of how good it is if you're enjoying the show please take the time to share it with someone and maybe even leave a rating somewhere if you want to get in touch with the show oh i've got a new email address you can well you can use either one you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can send an email to claude at howgooditis.com or you can follow the show on twitter or instagram at howgooditispod and you can also visit like and follow the show's facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod or you can check out the show's website howgooditis.com where you might find a few extra bits thanks as usual to Podcast Republic for featuring the show and next time around we're going to find out how good it is when you're watching some scenes from an Italian restaurant thanks for listening I will talk to you next time